0: Governor Newsom bans evictions, what that means for landlords, and Ashley Peterson joins us. I'm Lawrence Clutty. This is Legal Talk Today. All right, thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. How are you doing? Hi, Lawrence. I'm doing really well. Staying
1: healthy, thank you.
0: I can only imagine you're probably at home maintaining social distances and uh, doing the, the work at home and the work bunker thing, right?
1: I am indeed, although I'm definitely missing seeing all my friends and colleagues in person.
0: Yeah, it's been kind of a wake-up call. I am getting to meet my neighbors a little bit, which is nice. But yeah, it's funny. We walk down and everyone's happy to see each other, but we're like maintaining a very wide uh, separation between us. It's kind of weird.
1: Exactly. Although I found that petting dogs tends to help with the uh, social anxiety from my, I don't have one, but my neighbors have one, so.
0: <laughs> oh, so you're pro pet the dog. I, I do not interact with the dogs these days. I love them. I love dogs, love animals, but I don't know how the owner feels about it. So I just kind of walk past the dog.
1: <laughs> I, well, I usually ask them first, but yeah, most of them are pretty cool about sharing the dog you love.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you wrote this great article, which inspired me to uh, contact you. And uh, it was about Governor Newsom's efforts to control evictions in the state of California. And so it involves a moratorium. It involves an executive order or orders. And of course, the local ordinance here in San Diego, 21177, if I have it right. Anyway, the executive order opened up all kinds of powers for the localities, the cities to enact their own measures in terms of controlling some evictions. And then Governor Newsom, he steps up again one more time and then does a moratorium. So I'm a little confused and there's probably some others out there confused. How do these all interplay together?
1: Yeah, I'm getting a lot of calls from landlords and tenants on this particular issue right now, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I'm happy to do my part to provide Pro bono uh, consultations for all my clients for this kind of stuff, since it's such an unprecedented time for everyone, especially uh, in the leasing industry. But I, I would say, you know, first and foremost, we have the state ordinances first. We have the first one, which was back on March 16th. And that was the first ordinance to basically allow cities to enact their own regulations with regards to moratoriums on evictions during the term of. Newsom's order, which goes through March 31st, and then he issued an updated amended order on March 27th, which basically mirrored the same things from the first ordinance, but provided some additional information on documentation tenants have to provide and what types of claims they can make from their landlords with regards to rent deferrals.
0: Well, let's get into that a little bit. So just in terms of the, the duration of this, as I understand it from and each city and locality is a little different, is May 31st is kind of the standard cutoff for the state of California, this period of time in which there's this uh, moratorium. Now, moratorium, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't mean that you don't have to pay. It just means you don't have to pay right now. Is that correct?
1: So, right. So, what what the governor's order does is it allows cities to enact their own ordinances with regards to halting evictions, halting foreclosures, and allowing tenants a deferral in the rent payments. So, specifically for the city of San Diego, the city council enacted an ordinance on March 27th also, which, I'm sorry, March 25th which specified in more detail what tenants are allowed to do with regards to their landlords. So in this particular situation for San Diego, and again, I'd like to point out that each city can enact their own regulations on this in light of the governor's order. So each city may be slightly different. I certainly know that there were some differences between the city of San Diego's ordinance and the, for example, the city of Chula Vista. Several cities haven't even taken any action on this yet. So I'm, you know, it'll be a city by city ordinance that, you know, each person, if you own properties in multiple cities, you'd have to look to each city for guidance on this. But going back to the city of San Diego, this allows tenants to defer their rent, which means they still have to pay. It's not waived completely. They're just allowed to either do a partial or whole deferral of the rent payments for April and May for this year. And they have basically six months or whenever Gavin Newsom withdraws his statewide order to repay those rental amounts. So tenants are giving getting a little bit of a financial break because a lot of them are enduring serious hardship right now since their businesses are closed. They're uh, losing their jobs. They're losing wages from loss of employment time or they have family members or kids that are sick from COVID-19. So anything that's basically financially directly related to COVID-19 will be something that's excused with regards to these leases.
0: And those are along the lines of things they have to show to the landlord in in order to qualify for this period of time where they don't have to make rental payments right now, correct?
1: Correct, yeah. So specifically in San Diego, some of the examples of uh, documentation that they can provide to the landlord, which they do have to provide to be able to, to get this accommodation, would be you know payroll checks, pay stubs, bank statements, medical bills, letters from an employer, things like that. So technically, the tenant has seven days from when they notify the landlord of financial hardship to produce this documentation. And if they don't under the San Diego ordinance, then the landlord doesn't have to provide this rent accommodation uh, deferral. So it's very important that tenants clearly document that they are not able to pay because of COVID-19 financial hardship and then provide those kinds of documentation to the landlord in a timely manner.
0: Well, and obviously this will have some impact on the landlords. I mean, there's some landlords that are probably a little bit leaner than others in terms of what they can absorb as far as non payments of rent. Right. So some of them are going to be in some trouble. Is there some backstop or some protections for the landlord during this period of time?
1: So that's the bummer. I mean, unfortunately, you know, landlords are still obligated to pay their mortgages. And granted, there is a forbearance on foreclosures right now as well in the same way as there are for evictions. But yeah, I mean, landlords still have to pay property taxes, and and they still need that money coming in to be able to support themselves. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of backstops for landlords in these situations. But it's really it really behooves landlords to, you know, keep open lines of communication and really work with the tenants to try to come up with some sort of a payment plan, or you know, any kind of a. a a repayment option that the tenant's able to do or partial rents for April and May and then repaying the rest over four to six months, something like that. But since this affects both commercial and residential tenants and landlords, it's obviously much more significant in the commercial context because businesses are completely shut down due to this stay-at-home shelter-in-place order and business closures.
0: Well, in terms of the lending institutions, the banks that uh, you know put out these loans, and now it's possible they won't get paid. So, if a renter stops paying, and justifiably so, and then a landlord stops paying, it justifiably so because they're not getting their rental income. What type of uh, have you heard of any backstops for the lenders? Any protection for them uh, at this period of time?
1: I haven't heard of anything specifically for protections for lenders at this time, but I think we're going to maybe see some something coming down the pipeline, hopefully. But, you know, obviously, if they're not able to foreclose, then that's certainly going to be detrimental to these primary mortgage lenders who have priority on these mortgages.
0: All right, Ash, I just have one last question for you. So, uh, you know, obviously I know that each city in California is a little bit different when it comes to these evictions and the moratorium. And obviously out of state, there's going to be even further uh, differences, uh, you know, as landlords discover that renters can't pay. So just in terms of people listening out there, are there some just general principles that both renter and landlord should be asking perhaps an attorney about uh, to give themselves the best protection in these uh, troubled times?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously, this is a complete, you know,
0: worldwide
1: issue, but statewide specifically, you know, each individual tenant and landlord needs to review their lease very carefully, especially in the commercial context, because there tends to be force majeure clauses in those leases, which if people are not familiar, force majeure means superior force. And it's basically a contract clause that talks about unexpected events that are beyond the control of the contracting parties. And usually it applies to situations like, you know, hurricanes, natural disasters, war, things like that. So the question kind of that's being thrown around with attorneys right now is, do these force majeure clauses apply to this COVID-19 pandemic? And whether tenants can argue that and whether landlords can even argue that in certain situations due to their inability to perform under the lease covenants. So I think that's a huge one. I know there's several other claims that tenants can make under their contract, including the casualty condemnation and deprivation of services, the breach of the quiet enjoyment because they're not able to use their space because their business is closed, frustration of purpose. Tenants also have the ability, if they have business interruption insurance, to try to file a claim with the insurance company for business closures. But that opens up a whole nother can of worms too, because sometimes their policies probably don't include pandemics or epidemics, um, and they usually require physical damage to the property, which you don't have here. So I think there's a whole lot of issues that are directly related to these clauses and these contracts. And I think we're going to see a lot of litigation around this, especially in the commercial context, because of these the way these clauses are written. And I think that we're going to definitely see some changes in how these contracts are written going forward. As a leasing attorney myself, I know I'm going to be making some changes to uh, my force majeure clauses and my commercial leases.
0: <laughs> well, now's the time, I'm sure. So, well, thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. And if our listeners they have questions, want to call upon your expertise in uh, real estate, uh, how can they find you?
1: Sure. Uh, They can either go to my website, which is AshleyPetersonLaw.com, or they can give me a call at 619-222-7300, and I'm happy to answer any questions they might have about their particular lease situations.
0: Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, we'll cite and make available our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Stay strong and carry on, America.